This is week two of the series called Bullies in My Brain. Uh, We've been doing this for Suicide Awareness Month. And so last week we talked about relational bullies. Um, I kind of gave, I kind of talked about last week about being confident in your calling, being confident um, in what God's called you to, despite of what other people would say. Um, I mentioned about getting out of toxic relationships that are causing that struggle. And I said last week, I kind of gave statistics on suicide, but I also gave a statistic that toxic relationships or abusive relationships lead people to that point. Um, so we talked about that last week. So for week two, week one, we talked about relational bullies. Tonight, we're going to talk about mental bullies. Um, this is another big issue in this area, especially when it comes to the mind. Um, so your mind is the enemy's favorite playground. Your mind is what the enemy targets. It's his favorite place to go to. It, it, he could, he could try and attack anything else, but one of the biggest places he'll attack that will mess you up worse than anything in the world is your mind. Um, have you ever had, like, you've said that phrase, I actually wrote it down. It's the, the voice in the back of your head type thing, where it's that, it's that voice in the back of your head that you think it's you, but you're not sure if it's you speaking in your brain. Um, stuff like, uh, I'm not going to do good in this. I'm not enough. Um, this is my fault. You've probably heard that in the back of your brain before, but Sometimes, sometimes it is your own self-doubt that causes it, but the reality is those voices do not belong to God. In fact, it doesn't even belong to us. It belongs to the spiritual enemy of God who wants to harm you in any way he can, the devil, the deceiver, and he is at war with all of God's children. How many of you, how many of you in here are saved, surrendered to Jesus? Raise your hand. You believe in Jesus? All of that. Okay, let me tell you something. You're at war right now. You are at war with the enemy. Every single day. The moment you wake up out of bed, you're at war. Spiritually. You wake up, you you brush your teeth, you eat Cheerios, you go to school. You know, I don't know what y'all eat for breakfast. Who skips breakfast? Heck yeah. Um, to those who do, don't skip breakfast, you're fine. You're okay. You are still a special, a special child of God in the kingdom of heaven. Okay, you're, you're, you know, you're not so different. But, um, but like the stuff you do, like normal stuff throughout the day. But spiritually, when you wake up, there's a battle going on. There's something going on in the spiritual place that you can't really see or even attack in the physical place. Um, the question is, is that have you ever experienced spiritual warfare? It might not look like what you think. Often anxious thoughts that seem to come out of nowhere can be a sign that you're under a spiritual attack from the enemy. Like I said from before, it might be um, self-doubt. It might be something from your mind that you're just condemning yourself. And that's a healing process. But if it's something that you naturally don't tell yourself and all of a sudden you're you're saying all of these things, maybe you're carrying something so heavy and you start telling yourself this stuff, it's not usually you sometimes, especially it's not God, number one. It is not Jesus. If it was, then I don't want to serve him if, it, if that was the case. But because it's not him, because it might not even be you, it's the enemy. So we're going to face these mental bullies head on. 
in tonight, or tonight, not in tonight. We all need to be alert to the spiritual battle we are in, because it can be a sign from the attack of the enemy. Let's connect to God's word in this one. So 1 Peter 5, 8, first scripture, it says, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So Peter is saying in this scripture, you need to wake up. You need to realize the battle that you're in. When you start, when you start to read scripture and you see things that, you know, you see physical battles, you see physical battles that are, that are won, whether it's in Old Testament or New Testament, especially the Old Testament with David's winnings. And if you read Psalms, 1st, 2nd Samuel, you'll see that David wins a lot of battles and all that stuff. You see all those battles. But the real battle that destroys you more than anything is the spiritual battle. The thing that attacks you the most is the spiritual place. And your, and your mind is one of the biggest battlegrounds that the enemy is going to use as home turf. He's going to use your mind as a place to destroy everything else in your heart, mind, and even sometimes your own physical body. So you have to realize that the mental, the place that it starts at in the battle is in the mind. The mental bully is where it hits the most. But you're in a spiritual battle. Peter is saying you have to stay alert. Be so, the Bible says be sober minded. That doesn't just mean, that doesn't just mean like, oh, be drunk minded. But it means to keep yourself alert. You need to hyper focus on what's going on in the spiritual place. And when you're ignorant to it, when you don't know what's going on, you start to fall into a Christian, um, like, like a, uh, like a nonchalant Christian walk with God saying, uh, let me tell you this. There's a statistic where I, I said this a while back, uh, set, uh, six out of 10 people in the church don't genuinely believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. That was one, but there's another one. There's a second statistic. I know it sounds crazy for us because obviously we believe in Jesus, but the one, the, but the second biggest one is it was five out of 10 people believe that Satan isn't real. And hell's not a real place. They just use it to scare Christians into salvation. I agree that some Christians use hell as a scare tactic to win people into salvation. But let me tell you something right now. There's a real heaven and a real hell, and you end up in one of those places when you die. That's a given. There's no, there's no middle ground. There's no holding place of what other religions have taught. It is you go with the Lord, you stay together with the Lord for eternity, or you stay eternally separated from him. That is the given choice. And Jesus has made that way to when you accept Jesus, you can make it to heaven and you spend the rest of your eternal life with Jesus spiritually. That is what it's about. But to say that there's no enemy to fight and there's no hell to cast down from your life is, is doing you a disservice and you are basically a powerless Christian. When you genuinely believe that you don't fight the enemy day in and day out. Y'all, there's been, there's times where, and, and it might, and it might just be for me. It might be for some people, but there are, you know when the enemy attacks you. You know when it is. And the reason why you know it's the enemy is because it's not even God or you that's doing this. It's usually the enemy. 90% of the time, it's the enemy that is attacking you. It's not you. It's not your, it's not your crazy mind. I know a lot of us have an overthinking mindset maybe, and we think it's us. The enemy will use that to distract you from his true purpose to destroy your mind. That's what he does. 
So you have to wake up and know that you're in a spiritual battle and that there is an enemy nearby. You can't let your guard down spiritually. You can't let your guard down spiritually. And you've always heard the story about the armor of God. You've heard it like in like a children's church. It's like a children's church type thing. But really the armor of God is a lot more detrimental and you need it more than anything else. Because that's what's going to protect you from the enemy. That's what's going to protect you from the fiery arrows of the devil. So what does this mean for us today? Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. We're going to go through the armor of God. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the enemy or the devil. For if we are not fighting, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. So let me make that very, very clear. People are not enemies. People are not your true enemy. You might not like them. You might not like certain people, but they're not your enemy. The moment you make a person your enemy, the devil wins. The moment you make somebody else a targeted enemy that, that you're either offended by or um, yeah, if you're just offended by, the devil wins. Because he wants you to not focus on him to where you lose to him. That's the point. The point is for the enemy to distract yourself off of him so that he can truly attack. It's the same thing like I just said when people think that the devil isn't real. That's probably a greater deception than thinking people are your enemy. But thinking that people are your only enemy is one of the biggest deceptions. That's where the division comes from. We don't fight against flesh and blood people because our weapons and our warfare is not with flesh and blood. It's not with flesh and blood. So you have to understand that people are not your enemy. You will have issues with them. Some people, trust me, look, Jesus says to love them, but not everybody makes it easy to love them. Let's be honest here. Let's be raw about it. It's hard for certain people. But let me tell you something right now. They're not your enemy. They're not the people you're supposed to be fighting against. Because the moment you let people fight you, the enemy is already winning on his side of the game. He's already winning. Whether it's an argument, whether it's a social media debate or problem with each other, that's when the enemy wins every time. And people don't see it because people are ignorant to it. So you have to realize that flesh and blood enemies are not your real enemy. Or flesh, yeah, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. People are not your enemy. But against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places, Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. So the thing is, don't be deceived by the surface. Our battle is not of flesh and blood. It is the battle against evil rulers and authorities of an unseen world in heavenly places. Your battle is beyond your flesh. The battle you fight is beyond your physical capability. You physically on your own cannot defeat the devil. You will lose every time. You trying to get the willpower to overcome a sin or overcome an experience or overcome anything on your own against the enemy, you will never win. Never. It takes the spiritual realm. And that's why he tells us to put on the armor of God. And I'm going to explain it to you. The shield of faith, that, that's your faith. That's the shield that protects you. 
The sword of the Spirit is the word of God. That's what you attack with. When you, if you remember when Jesus was in the wilderness and he was fighting the enemy with the word of God because the enemy was trying to get him and tempt him into falling into his trap, but the Lord used the word. What was Jesus doing? Jesus was stabbing the enemy with the word of God. That's what he was doing. He was slicing and jabbing. He was doing everything he could to stop the enemy from tempting him and overcoming his temptation. So a lot of the time, this is what Jesus was literally doing. If you think about the armor of God and you think about how it's supposed to work, to be honest, in my opinion, this is how I see it. The, the Lord, Jesus literally, when the enemy would try to swing at him with a lie or twist the word against him, I'm pretty sure Jesus like parried that, that mug. He literally went poof and like parried it. And then what he was able to do is jab him with the word. He said, no devil, the Bible says. No devil, the Bible says. No devil, the Bible says. That's what he did. He took his faith, parried the enemy's tactic, and stabbed him with the word of God. So here's the thing in an actual battle. None of us would do this if we're a little dumb about it, but, I mean, nobody's ever really fought before. When you go and fight somebody like that, if somebody has a sword and a shield, and you parry, but you don't swing back, what do you think is going to happen? Now you're vulnerable as you parry, as you swing your shield, the enemy has another opportunity to slice you again if you don't swing back. So using your faith, your faith will deflect because you know the truth of the word of God. You know the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives within you. You're able to hit that. But the problem is, is that we don't slice him, slice him with the word of God. That's what we don't do. We parry him with our faith, but we don't use the word of God against him. Why? Because we don't hold our sword. What does that mean? We don't get in the word and meditate on the word to where when the enemy hits us, we can combat him with it. We don't do that. We will always parry with the faith, but we will never slice him with the word of God. We always, we always do it. I'll give you one example. When you think in your head, oh, it's, your, it's all my fault. No, I'm blameless in God's sight. Boom. That's what the Bible says. I'm blameless in God's sight. When you think of like, like I've, I've heard this before. I've heard people say this, like, I don't think I'll really do anything great. You're more than a conqueror. When you start to combat enemy lies, and it seems very kiddish, but when you start to really combat them, you actually are wounding the enemy as you speak the word of God to him. That's what a sword's for. And that's why the word of God penetrates the enemy more than anything else, is when you start to jab him, over and over and over. And let me tell you something right now. The enemy does, the enemy, we physically sleep, demons don't sleep. You go to bed tonight, an enemy is staying up all night, figuring out a way to attack you. Whether it's in a dream, whether it's right when you wake up, there's always an attack happening. So the goal is, you have to continue to stab him. Some of us think, oh, if I just speak one verse, he'll just leave and it'll be over. I have had multiple nights and multiple situations where the enemy tried to keep swinging at me and I've jabbed him multiple times and I had to keep jabbing him multiple times. Unless it was a spirit that I had to name out and say, gone in the name of Jesus, that's when I had to just continue to speak the word. 
And as you weaken the enemy over and over and over and you say no enough to him, he leaves. But we don't say no enough. We don't combat it enough. We don't speak the word over the enemy enough. So what I'm saying is, is that it's not a passive thing to do. Ah, uh, Jesus loves me. Bah. I'm, I'm made in the image of God. Bah. Like that's, 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 that's so mediocre to compare to be like, like you see and you're like, no, I cast you out in the name of Jesus. No, I'm not going to let this happen because I'm more than a conqueror. You have to really engage yourself in that. If you're passively doing it, you're losing. You're just allowing the enemy to just speak to you in a way that he should not speak to you. Y'all getting it? You can't let him overtake you because you have greater authority than he does. Why? Because you have the Holy Spirit. Because you have something in you that's greater to attack him. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the armor of God. You have the word of God. You... You, you can pray. You can either pray or pray in the spirit. One of the two. You have powers that the enemy crumbles to. So you need to learn to combat him with the power that has been given to you. The authority that you have. And let me say this. Mental battles, mental health is, a, is important in this day and age. Because if you're not truly taking yourself seriously with your mental health, you will surely fall to the pits of your own demise, even the enemy's demise that he makes for you. With this day and age, mental health has become a high. I, all, I, I genuinely think because of all the information that's given to us, all of the stuff that we believe about ourselves, and I genuinely believe that the enemy has a foothold in the demonic space to give us this tough mental health. And if we don't truly figure it out and just sit there and just accept it, like it's like it's some type of reward from the enemy, we need to learn to combat that. Your mental health is important. It matters. That's why we're talking about this in the Suicide Awareness Month. Because until we start to learn to combat that, until we start to learn to actually use it and then teach others to do the same thing, we're not truly making that difference. What the question is, what are you giving? If you've learned this, if you if everything I'm saying is, oh, I've heard this before. If I, I've heard this already before, why aren't you using it? Why aren't you applying it? Why aren't you putting it to good use to help and fight for somebody else? Because the moment that you start to receive and consume, there has to be a point where you have to give. That's what a Christian does. A Christian receives from the Lord to the point of overflow and then gives. So if you're not in a giving state, how much do you need to be filled? How much do you need to be filled up by him? The moments that you have to take breaks, the moments where you have to recharge your brain, those moments, if you can do that, why can't you give? Why can't you reach out? Why can't you extend? The only way that we can resist the attack of the enemy is to be, number one, strong in the Lord and his mighty power. And number two, doing this through the armor of God. When we walk with God and pursue him in his presence, we have the ability to stand firm and resist the attack of the enemy. Like the New Living Translation was saying, after the battle, you will be standing firm. 
Spiritual attacks are a part of a life with the Lord. So when you accepted Jesus, you became a soldier. You said, aye, aye. You literally said, I sign up for this. Because we, we, we shashah salvation and say, come to Jesus, come to Jesus. And he's going to set you free and all that stuff. And he does. But what nobody has the guts to say is you are now in a spiritual battle with the enemy because now you have a target on your back. I'm telling you right now, he doesn't just come after pastors or staff workers at a church. He comes after young people. He comes after older people. He comes after workers. He comes after anyone. It doesn't matter what you work for, what school you go to, what degree you have. It doesn't matter. The enemy has a target on everybody's back that is a believer, a child of God. So let me tell you something right now. Until you start to face that and see that in your own life, and stop letting that ignorance that you need to know to fight that, then you're going to win every time, every single time. You will win every. I can tell you right now, I've not, win, I've not won every single battle. But I'm going to tell you right now, I'm willing to win one every single time. I'm there to win one every single time. Because now I see where the enemy is attacking me. Do you know where the enemy is attacking you from? What type of place is he attacking you from? You need to learn this. Stand firm under fire. Stand firm under fire. How do we apply this now? Now that we've learned these things about how to, how to relate to it and all this stuff, how do we apply it? This is how you apply it. Uh, Proverbs eleven fourteen. 14. Without, without wise leadership, a nation falls. There is safety in having many advisors. The most important and often forgotten part of resisting the enemy is that you're not supposed to do that by yourself. The moment you realize that you, that you're getting to the point where like, I don't need anyone. I only have Jesus. That's kind of a prideful statement because Jesus had 12 disciples Jesus could have ran the whole ministry by himself because he was God. But what did he show us? He said, we need people around us to help us and be there for us. It's a little bit out of the context of what I'm talking about. But what I'm saying is, is that you need to not walk this by yourself. You cannot walk this by yourself. This walk of mental health does not take just you. It's like, it's like you're in a, it's like you're, when you do this by yourself, it's like you're in your own penitentiary and you're going psycho because you're working this by yourself and you're thinking that it's just relying on God. But the Lord has called us to be with others to help us in that. And trust me, there's been a lot of places. Let me, let me explain this. You need God and you need godly people. But not just any type of godly person. A godly person that is safe. The moment you take a godly person and they are using a dysfunction tactic and you can't trust them with anything, that's not a godly person that's safe. Sorry, that was my mic. The, you can't, you can't, you need godly people that are truly safe. And what I mean by that is anything that you need to talk about they're ready to listen. The moment that it comes out of your mouth, whether you are right or wrong, you need them to listen to you. 
Now you're probably thinking, well, aren't they going to tell me what I'm supposed to do, right? Absolutely. But why would I need to get something? This is our issue. We want to go from A to B instead of doing this. And actually, instead of going from A to B, I'm figuring this out from A to B, I need to talk about this a little bit longer and go down. You know, I realized something in actual, in, literally in the Middle Eastern, in the Middle East, they do this tactic, they do this type of um, special meditation with their friends. They get in a circle and they will, de- they will talk about things and debate things for hours and then they will get up and go have lunch together. It kind of blew my mind because I'm like, in the West right now, none of us can do that. None of us can do that. I've had people, I've had, I've told people certain vulnerabilities and then not steward it properly. Let me say this. You need to find a godly person that's going to steward your vulnerability. You need somebody in your walk with God that's going to steward that vulnerability that you give to them. God can steward it greatly. Obviously, he's the Lord. He made us. He knows. He's not going to tell a single soul. But, but. You, you're not going to find the perfect person, but you need to find a godly person who knows how to be loyal to or even know how to steward a vulnerability. Vulnerability is almost like a, almost like a, uh, it's almost like a scary thing to do today. I think that's why a lot of people struggle on the inside and never tell anybody else because there, there is a, there is a lack of empathy and a lack of stewardship of somebody else's vulnerability. So like when, like I've had this thing, I've had this thing. I've told, I, I said this a while back, I think last year. I would tell someone one little thing, like maybe one little vulnerable thing about myself, nothing too heavy, nothing baggage heavy, but I would tell them one thing and I would, and I would, and I would observe and I'd be like, okay, what are they going to do with that? So I would, I don't know, I said something really stupid and embarrassing when I was a kid. And I would tell this one person this one thing. And I was like, okay, I want to see if they can steward this. Because you have to realize not everyone's going to steward the, the things that you're struggling with or the things that you need vulnerability in, what you need to let out. So I've had those people. And I've had to, I've, I've realized that it came right back to me. And I'm like, are you serious? I told you one, if they can't even take a one embarrassing thing of vulnerability, how can I give them a luggage of vulnerability? How can I give them a huge luggage of of what I'm dealing with if they can't even take this embarrassment and keep it to themselves? That's not a person that can steward your vulnerability. That's someone who hasn't matured in that place. So you have to find someone who can. And it takes a lot of discernment. It takes getting into a close relationship with someone. It's the same thing with the Lord. I've learned that the closer I get with the Lord, the more vulnerable I can be because that's how a relationship works. There are certain friendships I have that I'm not as vulnerable with, and there are really good friendships that I'm extremely vulnerable with because it's a safe place. It's a safe area where you can talk to them. You need to find that, those same people. You need to find that same group. Not a person that's going to give you the answer right away because everybody thinks they have the answer, and they're like, oh, this will help them. That's not, I, I, I know the heart behind it, but that's not what they're needing right now. Your job as a friend who know someone who's dealing with something, is to walk them through it. Is to walk them without without giving a fixable answer. Because that's okay. You know you don't have to fix that issue. 
Or maybe you feel that way. You're like, man, I just, here's the one thing that I've learned in my walk and other people's walks that I've walked with. There, there, is a, there is a core thing in us where we just want to be heard and seen and noticed. The moment that that happens, there's a shutdown. The moment we try to really tell someone about something and you can just tell they're not going to keep it, there's a shutdown. So guess what? You're going to have to really seek relationships that are good for you in order to get to that point. Does that make sense? You have to get to that point where you can truly trust this person. But like I said, you're not alone. And trust me, it's not hard to find those type of people. Yes, there's a lot of people that don't do it, but there are a few good people that can. And you need to hold on to those people. Because those are the people that are going to sit with you, walk with you, hear your voice. And you will eventually change. But some of us can't eat the, eat the, 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 the pig on Thanksgiving. We need to eat the mac and cheese first. Some of, us can't, some of us can't eat all that ham first. We need the crumbs. And this is why we, this is, oh, this is heavy. This is why we can't be empathetic with people because we think they're too much. But really, they're not too much. They just need the crumbs. They don't need this humongous meal. They need smaller crumbs. This is what I'm trying to say. You cannot give a full fixed answer to somebody. That's impossible. I'm hoping some of y'all are getting that. You cannot fix somebody on day one. So, so it's funny that we go through that and we have that issue. Like, we're a work in progress. Why can't we give somebody else grace, the same grace that God's giving us? How can we not do that? And that's why it takes discerning who you can truly talk to and who you can truly trust. It's going to take that. And you might go through it like I have or somebody else that has that mindset of, I've been through too many friendships, too many things, to now just blindly walk into it. I need to see who this person is. That's okay. I'm not telling you to be skeptical of someone, but you need to, you need to tread water. You need to waddle into the water. You can't just front dive into the water. You're going to hit yourself in the sand. You're going like, to like headbutt. I've seen those videos. They're pretty hilarious. They go, Doom, and they hit the floor. They hit the floor in the sand. You have to waddle into the water to where it's deep enough. I'm trying to make it funny because I want you to understand it. That's what it takes to be in a relationship is literally taking those little steps, not being skeptical of somebody, but just taking, oh, okay. Okay, I can tell them this. Okay, they're kind of getting good at this. All right, let me tell them this now. You have to slowly, you can't rush. That's called blind trusting. But you can't never jump in the water. That's like not trusting at all. That's like, that's like, that's almost like not trusting the Lord. You got to waddle. And some of y'all are like, man, that's me, bro. You got to waddle into the water. You can't just stay out of it or dive head first. You have to test water. You know how the Bible says test every spirit if it's from God? I believe you can test every relationship without being skeptical and know that I can trust this person. I know it's, this is kind of like a side thing, but that's what I'm trying to say. You're not supposed to be alone in the walk. If you're having mental battles, there are people in your life. You have people in this youth group you can talk to. You have people. You just have to find the right one for the right moment for the safe place of a friendship, of a relationship. That's what you need. You're not by yourself. 
There's been cases where we've faced a problem and never asked for help. Because maybe we felt prideful, embarrassed. Maybe we're being a little stubborn about it. I've, no, I've, I've never told people about a problem because I was a little hard-headed to do it. But some of us have really good reasons why. But the healing process is not just, oh, God just magically heals me and I can trust somebody again. The moment is that you learn from the mistake. You learn from what was before. You learn from before that. When we seek God through his word, we seek wisdom and counsel from God himself. His word has the answer for everything we face. And spending time with the Lord is a crucial thing. In addition to God's word, we need input, accountability, encouragement from God's people. Seek wisdom and support from people who know God, read his word, walk with him daily, and they are safe. Let me tell you something right now. I'm going to be very raw with you right now, very real with you right now. People will walk with the Lord, read the word, all of that, and they are not a safe place. I have met those people. I have been with those people. You need to find someone who has not just all three, but all four. Because guess what? Jesus was a safe place for his disciples. Jesus was a place where people were comfortable talking to him. Why? Because he was a safe environment. He wasn't somebody who was going to push on right away or fix it. That's the, what the religious people do. Jesus was a true safe environment. So if Jesus is a safe environment, you're going to find people just like Jesus that are a safe environment. The application tonight, how do you apply this? Seek wise, safe counsel from God's word and God's people. With every head bowed and every eye closed. You can't fight the battle alone. When anxious thoughts creep up, you have to look to the Lord. Fear, anxiety, anxious thoughts will do two things. It will either drive you away from the Lord or drive you towards the Lord. Some of us in here have a few mental bullies. Some of us have multiple. This is how you can know if you have, if you have multiple or little. You've learned, to, you've learned to fake overthinking thoughts. You don't tell anyone, but you have battles in your mind every day. To the people who I know have a lot is that it comes out not just in what you say, but in your behavior. Those mental bullies will affect you to the point where it comes out of your mouth and out of your actions. And the Lord wants you to come to him knowing that he is a safe circle for you to dwell in with your vulnerability. Because let me tell you something right now, before you could ever be vulnerable in a place with a person, you need to be vulnerable in a place with the Lord. And you need to take that opportunity to be vulnerable with the Lord. There's nobody else. Look, if Here's the hypothetical. If nobody else was a safe place in your life, God would be the last. And if God was the last resort, that would be enough. But let me tell you something right now. God will put people in your life that you can rely on. You just have to seek and discern. That, that's your word for you who are looking for good friendships, good godly people who are safe. Seek and discern. You have to seek and discern these things. This is not an easy message to hear, but it's a message that's needed. You need to seek and discern those relationships and you need to cast down those thoughts that are not of the Lord. 
You need to put on the armor of God as you fight these mental bullies because these mental bullies do not hold back. It's like one of those people that just fight back and they won't stop until you're tired. Some of you in here are tired because of those mental bullies. Some of you are just exhausted and you can't even contribute to other friendships because your mind is cluttered. Because your mind is full of those things. Full of those things. So I just want you to take a moment and I just want you to seek the Lord right now. We're not going to do an altar moment, but but I want you to just take this moment to if you're if you're safe enough to do it, I want you to be vulnerable with the Lord right now. Vulnerability is as is harder than you think. Vulnerability is a very hard thing to do. And if you're not deep enough in your relationship with God enough, you will not you feel like you can't trust him with what you can say. But the deeper you go with him, the stronger it'll become and the easier the vulnerability will be to tell him. So in this moment, if you feel the confidence to tell him, tell him. But if not, you can just say, Lord, I just need you to get closer to me. I want to get into a deeper relationship with you so I can be more vulnerable with you. I don't feel as safe or trusted Not that I don't trust in you, but Lord, I don't feel that way. So Lord, I need to get to that point, Father. I pray that you would give me grace to get to that point. I pray that you would give me grace to run to that. I pray that your presence would be a safe place to where I can get to the point to to be vulnerable with you and expose the enemy's lies. That's what you can tell the Lord. If you can't be vulnerable with him right now, you can tell him, Lord, I want to get there. I want to get to that point. I want, I want to get to that point where I can tell you everything that's going on in my life. I want to get to that point. If you are, if you are looking for a godly friendship who, who reads their word, a person who reads the word, who lives for the Lord, who prays their life to the Lord, but yet is also a safe place to talk. I want you to raise your hand. You need a safe, godly person. You're praying for that. You're praying for that. I see the hand in the back. You just need, you need more friends that you can be safe with because you can have religious people because reading the word, praying and, and, and worshiping and all that is great. And it's a great representation, but they are not a safe bunker in the time of an atomic bomb of emotions. You need that. Keep your hand raised so I can see who it was. One, two, three. To those who, um, those who have their hand raised, whoever's next to them, just lay your hand upon them. Whoever it is, you have your hand raised. Whoever had their hand raised, I want uh, whoever's next to him. I want you to lay their hand upon them to pray for them. Yeah. You need godly friends in your life. 
you need safe, godly environments. Don't just be impressed by somebody who can memorize scripture. You need to see and be and be amazed by someone who loves the Lord and loves you enough to hear what you're going through. So Father, I just pray for the hands that were raised. Lord, the people that, Lord, they need people like that. Lord, they might have been in groups and circles that weren't like that. Maybe they were in a place where it was religious or it was people who weren't saved and they didn't have a great experience in friendship. So Father, I pray, Lord, that you would give them true godly people who are a safe environment. Lord, we are not going to settle for religious people. I'm not, I pray that they would not just passively accept people that think they can be vulnerable. I pray that they would be picky about their friendships. I pray that they would be picky about the people that they can be vulnerable with. I pray that they can be picky and discern who they can truly have because that is, the greatest treasure is finding it, not just taking whatever it is, finding it. Treasure is to be found, not to be seen by just the surface of your eyes, but to find it. I pray that they would find that treasure of a safe, godly person, of a safe, godly, Bible-believing, spirit-filled person that's going to walk them through this life, pray for them, meditate on the word for them, to speak into their life, to pray into their life. I pray that they would have those types of people that they wouldn't settle for a Christian who has a verse on a social media page. I pray that they would have someone who is deep in the word, who doesn't have to show it for anyone, who doesn't have to prove to anyone that they're a true believer, that they're going to do it with their actions, that they're going to do it with the love that God has shown them. So Father, I pray that you would give them those type of people, that you would give them those types of people. In this season of their life, Lord, I pray that you would grant that request. Lord, I pray that they would hunger for godly friends that are places that they can walk them through life, someone that they can put a shoulder on, someone they can put a shoulder on, someone that they can lean on to when they can't hold on. Let them be like Moses, where Moses couldn't lift his hands anymore in the war, and he had two people on his side lifting his hands up when he got exhausted. Get them those types of people. Get them those types of people in their life. Father, I pray that you would grant this request, Lord. By the Spirit of God, it will happen. I'm praying right now in Jesus' name, interceding as your your pastor, that you will have godly friends that are safe environments, that are safe places that you can walk and talk with and lean a shoulder on. You will have those people. You will have those people in Jesus' name. You will believe for that and you will get them. Because you're not just going to, oh, I hope they come. I pray that they would flood your life. Those people. Whether it's somebody older in your life, the same age as you, someone you can walk with, a mentor, a spiritual parent, a spiritual friend, a spiritual warrior along with you. You need that. You need that. So, Father, I just pray that you would favor them with friends, true friends. But, Father, I pray, Lord, that they would seek you as their friend first. Because, Lord, if they're, if they're caught up in your glory, if they're caught up in your love, if they're caught up in your majesty, they will find people. It's not hard to find Jesus-loving people when you're a Jesus-lover yourself. So I pray that they would seek you deeper to where they can find others that are just like that. 
a safe environment. I pray that they, Lord, I just pray that they would be a safe environment for somebody else as well. I pray that they would be a safe environment for maybe friends that they can be, that they need to be vulnerable with someone. I pray you would give that to them. I just pray, Lord, that you would just grant that upon their behalf and that they would receive favor for those things. Lord, we thank you. We give you glory and praise for helping us find friends that we need. Lord, let us not walk this life alone. I pray that we would conquer these bullies. Lord, as we keep going through the series, Lord, I pray that every bully must bow to the name of Jesus. Every relational issue, every mental issue, Lord, and even to the weeks ahead as we talk about this, Lord, I pray that you, Lord, would cast them down and that we would find true freedom and power by standing firm to the bullies in our